Hello and welcome to Rewind Reviews, a podcast where we look back at films from our past and find out the age-old question. That's still good? Is that still a good thing? I enjoyed that thing. I was young. Maybe I was stupid. Maybe it's maybe it's a bad thing now. Um, this week, we're looking at Mask of the Phantasm, um, a movie Chris chose having not seen it prior. Um, I think, is that a first? Is that the first time someone on this podcast has chosen a movie they themselves have not seen? It might be. Um, I think so, yeah. Let me have a quick scan of the list. But yeah, I think the, I'm be, not yeah. sure if that's happened before. But the, the idea being that he wanted to choose an animated film. We hadn't done one in a while. And he wanted to choose one that was universally beloved. Now, for the first time, we're really going to have to make an emphasis on the way we record these. Um, these... Mm are hard to do weekly we sometimes find ourselves not able to record for a couple of weeks in a row but we want to keep a consistent recording schedule so we have the buffer and what the buffer is is 10 weeks basically so we at one point pushed ourselves ahead to roughly 10 weeks before we started releasing um, i think it was when we started analyzing avatar and what we do generally speaking is between analyzing avatar and this because those two shows alternate, we stay ahead by about 10 weeks, ideally. Occasionally, though, when those few weeks happen where we can't record, we then have to make up that number later. So recently, we did a a day where we recorded a few of these in a row. Um, It was around the time we did the first Santa Claus. It was maybe like Cool Runnings, Avatar, and the first Santa Claus. They were all recorded within like two days. We like took some time off specifically. That was to catch up and get ourselves back to that magical ten weeks ahead. Now I think at the moment we're about nine weeks ahead, um, but it is the twelfth of November for us. Now last week when Chris chose Mask of the Phantasm, um, it was a very very unpointy and un you know unspecial choice in terms of the wider world or timings or anything like that we do sometimes make choices when we know that the episode is going to air alongside something so this year we planned the lord of the rings episodes of rewind reviews to come out in the build-up to um rings of power and we did the santa claus ones to come out across christmas you know stuff like that this was not chosen with any timing thing in mind chris just chose the film for the reasons we previously mentioned um i watched mask of the phantasm yesterday the 11th of November in the morning. Um, had a really great time. We'll talk about the movie in a second. And about, I don't know, six hours later, um, I'm at work and I am not on the internet at all. And I have a text from Chris that just says, the fucking timing. Oh no, it says, fucking hell, the timing. I open up Twitter and the first tweet I see is, um, it confirms that Batman voice actor Kevin Conroy uh, the voice of Batman for pretty much my entire childhood and a lot of my adult life too. We'll get to why that is in a minute. Um, uh, sadly passed away. And it's such a weird feeling. Um, one, far too young. Uh, far too young. 66. Not okay. The universe. How is... How, I, I, you know, <laughs> there, are, there are people getting way past that that absolutely do not deserve to be. Why was Kevin? Why was Kevin taken? Awful, absolutely awful. Uh, so obviously thoughts to fa- friends and family. But the weird thing about this is, we feel the need to eulogise because this just happened. When you hear this in ten weeks' time, he will have been long. Uh, you know that that will have been long out of the news cycle, 
and it will seem weird that we're talking about it. Um, yeah, we'll go, we'll go, we'll go the other way. You'll hear the first part where I choose Batman and go, hmm, weird that they didn't mention Kevin Conroy, and then then you'll hear right. this and go, all right, lads, you've overdone it this time. <laughs> like, but yeah, well, for context, we found out yesterday. I found out watching this film that the actor had passed away. <laughs> wow, it, it was wow. insane. Yeah, so I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to make it a huge part of this this podcast because I, I don't want yeah, it to distract yeah. from the discussion. But I, but it, it does have to be said, um, you know, he was the Batman, and for many people, myself included, you know, he has one of the most definitive interpretations of the character, and he was also yeah. fiercely protective of that over the years. Um, what I love most, what one of the things I love most about Kevin Conroy is he really respected it. It wasn't just a job to him. He understood how important he was to a lot of people and how interpretations of Batman were used with him in it. And I want to highlight very quickly a, a, a tweet or a couple of tweets that were put out by BTAS Podcast. So they obviously do a podcast. Uh, Batman the Animated Series is what the BTAS stands for. And it's a tiny little story, very, very quick, about Kevin Conroy from the person who does that. It's a little story about Kevin Conroy. Back when I started making the podcast, I would invite voice actors on from Batman the Animated Series to record in-character commercial parodies. So they had, like, Nightwing on doing a uh, doing a thing for Insta-Mullets, and, you know, they had, um, you know, uh, Poison Ivy selling, like, hypno-lipstick and all this stuff. Uh, he says, When I was lucky enough to snag Kevin Conroy for the podcast, thanks to a mutual friend, um, let me see, he handed a two-page script where Batman advertised dating Batman style. It was a dumb, jokey script. He handed Kevin the script before the interview. Uh, Kevin read it in front of him, chuckled, and then his face grew serious, and he politely turned down reading it. He said he was happy to do the interview, and he very kindly made it clear, clear he thought the script was funny, but he felt a responsibility to the character and the fans who loved his versions of the character. He didn't want to shatter the illusion or sell Batman out for a cheap joke. The guy said, and honestly, I'm really grateful he didn't. I loved interviewing him. And, and I think that off-mic moment where he made it clear he took playing Batman so seriously, that was weirdly more meaningful to, for me to witness. Batman clearly wasn't just a role for him. It was a lifelong career, a legacy that seemed to give back, a connection with fans and humanity and people who loved him or the character or the, or the blurred line of both. Um, and then he said, oh, that's all I have to say, but I'm sad we lost him. You know, Kevin will always be the voice of Batman in my head. Um, and that's actually, uh, that as well, I think, you know, I don't read a Batman comic now without hearing Kevin Conroy. Mm. And and that's... To build a relationship with a character like that is un... Is un it's not unheard of, but unlikely. Like, so many actors, they'll do the character for a period of time, then they'll move on, and they won't want to go back to it. They won't want to be typecast as it. Kevin Conroy was so honoured to be so many people's Batman that he kept coming back year after year. And through my adult life, through the Arkham games. Um, so it wasn't even that he was part of the animated show that I watched as a kid. And then that was that. He continued to voice Batman in many, many projects. And he even got to play Batman a couple of years ago in live action, um, finally, on the um, on the Flash. Mm. Um, you know, sort of like an older version of Bruce Wayne. Uh, sort of mm. like a, you know, like a sort of Batman sort of... Uh, it is sort of uh, the Dark Knight Returns phase, but still got to play him, and that's that's incredible. So yeah, um, for me, uh, he meant a lot to me um, as the, the voice of the character, and we'll talk about the movie in a minute and why that movie, why he's so great in the movie too. 
but yeah, I just wanted to get out of the way. What a what an absolute hero um, Kevin Conroy was, um, and how how rare it is for a character for for an actor to love the character so much that years and years of just never not doing it and always being respectful and wanting to do it and understood that fans really you know understood how much fans like their performance and one one was happy to keep doing it and never really felt typecast by it that's that's so rare it really is mm. yeah it's yeah. fantastic and it's such a and you know maybe this winds us into the in, into the movie because does that sort of cover your history with it as well in a way yeah um yeah, I feel like I've talked an absolute boatload, but I guess the, the, the weird thing. No, about no, this well, is well, well, let me, let me, let me say something about Kevin because it's such a. But I just didn't know if this was going to naturally lead us into review. Yeah, it, the, it would, but then it would be me talking for the first like fifteen minutes of the podcast. So, <laughs> just uh, when's it ever bothered you before, Dan? <laughs> um, the, <laughs> I, the it's such a strong performance. It's mm-hmm. such a, it, it's such a. Um, there's such gravitas, but humanity that, to the performance as well. Like yeah. Batman, and we talk about this in general. Bat- Batman, this movie juggles a lot of Batman things that are impossible to juggle better mm-hmm. than a lot of the other movies. You know, the, the balance of Bruce versus Batman, the balance of who, can you explore both? Do you just explore one and not the other? Mm-hmm. The balance of... Um, of the villains, the balance of action sequences that feel like a like a superhero movie, but also feel realistic and 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 gritty because you know fundamentally he's got no superpowers in the traditional sense. And you know one of the things that you have to balance with Batman is you you have to balance the 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 brooding Bruce Wayne, the the detective, the the hard the hard case, the fighter, and. Kevin Conroy is balancing all of them in his, in his performance. He's 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 doing multiple shades of Bruce of Batman. He's sounding vulnerable when he needs to sound vulnerable. He sounds mm. um uh he sounds threatening when he needs to sound threatening. And literally some of the and you know it's not it's not about comparing necessarily, but uh, some do one thing better than the other. He he's doing all of it brilliantly <laughs> like it's mm. it's an astonishing uh performance and obviously you know he's he's done other things as well but i think the reason everyone has led with kind of batman in in the headlines surrounding his really kind of sad way too young passing is because of just how much he got that character and how much he nails that character and least we forget He's got to fucking do it all with his with his voice only. He's got to communicate those things mm-hmm. with his voice, and he is. At, you could shut your eyes, listen to it, and it would still be. That's not not to dismiss the the animation style. Obviously, we'll talk about that as well. As well in this movie in particular, it's fantastic. But you could close your eyes, and this performance still works. It's it's a spectacular feat. The the nuance that he put into his performance mm. as as Bruce and Batman. Yeah, that was the word I was looking for. Uh, nuance. That's that, that's a good word. That's that's very much I think what was so good about it was that he 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 didn't only blend them in the sense of when he needed him to be vulnerable, he was vulnerable. When he was scary, he was scary. But somehow they never felt like different characters. Like they, they always felt like aspects of the same character. He he got he got them far enough away from each other to be them both, but he kept them close enough to feel like the same human being, and not a contradiction. And I think that's what's kind of amazing about 
Batman the animated series and the movie that that's that this that, that spawned this that that spawned from that you know this movie is the, the, the you know so there's an interesting question that goes around a lot which is like oh what's the best Batman movie and a lot of times people say the best Batman movie is Mask of the Phantasm and now it's a really interesting point because is it the best movie containing Batman maybe not I think there's an argument for something like The Dark Knight or even The Batman came out earlier this year. But is it the best interpretation of Batman? Is it the best Batman movie? I think it is. I think it really yeah, is. Yeah, because for sure. Because it, it understands the character. I Honestly, for its short run time, it explores Batman with more nuance than many, many other well, ba- for me, big for Batman me... films. For me, what's key is it understands the character. And the character is both Bruce Wayne and mm-hmm. Batman. Some of the films explore Bruce Wayne brilliantly. Batman Begins. Some of the films explore Batman brilliantly. Batman and the Batman. This mm-hmm. film, in 73 minutes, is genuine. You could argue there's maybe a bit of waiting towards Bruce. But I feel like genuinely exploring both characters. I mean, mm-hmm. God, how does this film manage to do the... And, and you, obviously, I know this film came out in 93, before, mm-hmm. you know, Batman v Superman, before uh, before Batman um, the, begins and all of that stuff. I didn't, I didn't, I haven't seen it. As Dan said, I haven't seen this film before. And by the way, um, you could make an argument for, I think, some of the Santa Claus movies you might not have seen. And I hadn't seen Battle Royale. Um, but obviously those were both chosen as like specific things. Battle Royale to be surprising. Santa Claus. I think this is the first time, like without a caveat, one of us has made a choice. Right. No, because, yeah, because Battle Royale is a really I, clean example of a movie that you haven't seen you choosing it though. So that has, so it has technically happened before. But it, it has happened technically for a specific happened. reason. Yeah, it happened for a specific reason. Whereas like, because <laughs> let's, let's be honest, um, I wanted to go 90s, I wanted to go Stone Cold Classic, and I wanted to go Animation. I could have chosen The Lion King, which I which I have seen. I actively chose a film I hadn't. Um, and obviously mm. now I'm, I'm really glad I did. But the um, this, film under, this film understands Batman, as in Batman and Bruce. Like I say, you can understand there's a slight waiting to Bruce, but... I really do feel this film is doing both. And the fact that it's doing it in such a short amount of time. And and here's the other thing with that. It feels like that is driving the movie. You can feel Nolan on his movies. You can feel Burton on his movies. You can feel um, Snyder on his movie. Mm-hmm. You know what you can feel in this movie? Fucking Batman. It feels like Batman is the thing that is driving yeah. this movie. In a way that you know, I, I I think you you can make a case for something. Oh, that's sorry, that's what I was in the middle of saying. Sorry. So, bearing in mind that I know this film came out before a lot of those films, mm-hmm. I I hadn't seen this film until yesterday. How the hell is it even able to do the origins of Batman and make it feel original and not mm. like I'm watching the thing I've seen a thousand times before? Like this film's working all sorts of miracles, and it's all to do with structure and and the and the the performances and and you know everything is firing on all cylinders in order for it to be able to do that. But what this film achieves as a Batman movie, in the truest sense of Bruce slash Batman, 
is is phenomenal. So what we we've, mm. we've skirted away from history. What's your what's your history with the film, Daniel? Uh, yeah, very quickly, I tried to tag that point with. Isn't it amazing that this movie that came out in nineteen ninety three, you know, mm. it's 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 nearly thirty years old, mm. still feels more original than most of the superhero movies we get today. Yeah, it yeah, shouldn't, should incredible. it anymore? This movie yeah. should have been copied to death by now. Mm. Uh, sure. I, yeah. I, I, um, I want to make another caveat actually for people that are probably listening to this and screaming it. The Lego Batman movie does also do a good job of of, of a lot of those things, true. especially the balance between the two. That's but I, I think you could. I've not seen it in a while, but you could make an argument that a lot of the Batman as Batman stuff, because it's played for comedy. Is is a different type of exploration compared to kind of traditional. Although I do think the Lego Batman movie is also one of the best Batman movies, and it does also do a lot of those things that we were just complimenting this movie for. Yeah, it does. No, the Lego Batman movie is great. Way better than it has absolutely any right to be. <laughs> like it's just a much. But like you, but, yeah. But but like you say, you could. But the, but the same applies for this. It it is a spin-off movie of an animated show that was originally three episodes that has been put together and released in cinemas made in you know fundamentally a, a cartoon made in 1993 this movie is so much better than it has any right to be <laughs> yeah i would agree um yeah and, and my history of it is really through the show because the movie sadly didn't get a release in the uk um in cinemas really sad about that um you know, looking back at the time, I don't think I really knew it was meant to be in the cinemas because it does it does look and sound and act like the show. Um, this is a movie I saw uh, on home video release years after the show had been and gone, um, which is so strange to think it was, you know, it was made after the first season prior to the second. And it's such an important piece. I, well, I tell you what else is great about this movie as well. They were very clever to make this standalone. I think there's always a danger when you're spinning off a TV series into a movie that it would feel overly complicated, have too many characters that you've not been introduced to, and it, would feel, it, it wouldn't feel like we're introducing you to the world. But because of this clever choice to use the flashback structure to sort of redo Batman's origins, that's kind of one of the great things about this film is it kind of it, it does feel like, a, like an introduction to the character as well. Um, but I didn't see so this movie got... originally. I fell in love with the with the show. Um, the, the the show is one of the most definitive takes on the character, and 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 because it's the first, it's pretty much my introduction to the character. Really, you know, I knew Batman the way most children know Batman uh, originally, which is through toys, right? You know, you know, mm. I wasn't going into the comic book store and buying Batman, The Dark Knight Returns, Arkham Asylum, or you know killing joke which is just a horrendous story you know and uh, you know it's it, it, horrendous it, it's full of very dark things a child should not be reading um you know i didn't go into a, know, a lot of people a lot, and... I, I, i've never seen it but i think a lot of people would say the animated film adaptation of it is horrendous for a few reasons as well <laughs> yes it is well if you lop the first like 20 i think it's 20 minutes off that movie then it's great because then it's just frame for frame the, the killing joke comic which is one of the best comics ever written about the character so you know i think 
you know, the bit of the movie that's the comic is great. It's the bit at the beginning they tracked on, they tacked on to try and extend the runtime because that comic is quite short. That's the problem. But yes, agreed. Obviously, yeah, it's a terrible, terrible thing um, that exists. Um, but you know, the, the, you know, I didn't. I certainly didn't go and and, and read that stuff as a kid. Um, so my introduction to the character was merchandise, like everyone's. You know, um, I, he was on lunchboxes and. Halloween costumes and like you know you buy the toys and all that and I and I like the design. Batman's a really cool looking character, but my introduction to the character storyline was 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 the animated series, which um, I don't remember how and where I watched it, but I fell in love with that show so quickly. I liked how dark it was. Actually, you know what? No, I wonder if I wonder if Burton's movie actually was probably my first Batman like story. It probably was, you know, the '89 one. I probably saw that yeah, before that, I ever saw an episode of the animated series. That strikes me as something you probably would have seen before the animated series started. Yeah, thinking back, I think that's probably right. But either way, so you know, but my, but you know, the, the first Burton movie is 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 incredible. But it's 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 a it's, it doesn't involve a huge amount of uh, the multitudes that are that make up Batman, as we talked about. So you know, sitting down and watching this show blew my mind as a kid, um, and then. <sighs> I think when we get to when we get to the movie, I'm a bit older. I'm already a, I'm a captive audience. You know, I'm already um, I already love this, this 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 show and this take on the character. And and actually, really, it's cheating because this this movie informed my take on the sorry the series informed my take on the character. So when I get to the movie, I'm already a you know. I'm on. I'm a fan. I'm on board. Most movies don't have that advantage. Uh, I think it's really telling though that you watched it without that context, because um, I don't believe yeah, you watched the still... animated series as a kid. Uh, I could be wrong. No, I didn't watch the animated series as a kid, and I have, I have a question about that actually. But the it, it is kind of. I mean, you know, <laughs> we're talking about Batman by osmosis. Do you know what I mean? It, it, mm-hmm. I you do go in with an understanding of the character, and this definitely I was struck by. This feels like Batman. <laughs> like this feels like the most sort of uh, the. You know, if I'm if I'm if I'm talking about getting a sense of who Batman is, it's it's this without having actually even seen the animated series. And I don't know if, from my point of view, that's because it's it is the perfect balance of all the elements of Batman. Maybe if it's because. I've you know listened to loads of podcasts and you and I discussing who Batman is and what Batman is and that that combination of you know some some have lent into the brutal violence some have lent into the detective some have lent into the for you know for long Bruce like this this movie's doing all of it and I definitely appreciated that even though I hadn't been sort of engaged with the animated series world mm. before um, and I think what's interesting as well about like my history with this is because Kevin continued to voice the character for so long through other projects, not once, you know, Batman the Animated Series only had three seasons, you know, then it became other shows in the DC, was it DCAU, the DC Animated Universe, which is, you know, sort of the Bruce Tim, um, Paul Dini led uh, animated universe that spun off from Batman the Animated Series that then eventually involved you know, Superman and Wonder Woman and all the other big DC characters. Um, and they did several like other big shows with like lots of other, like the Bat family as well. But they also did like the video games, like those Arkham video games. By having Kevin Conroy voice Batman in the Arkham games, 
they are intrinsically linked. The designs are different. They look different. But the Arkham Asylum games were a huge part of my teen years or, or letting into my adult life, you know, my early 20s, you know. So it's it's lived on for a very long time. <laughs> and I think that speaks volumes for the for how definitive the take is. So with that in mind, yeah, so my history with it, of course, just is simply that ultimately once it came out on home video for me to see in the UK, um, I put it on and very predictably thought it was an absolute masterpiece. And it's been something I've gone back to every handful of years since, I think. Like, I, I, I last watched this in lockdown. And um, wow. it's quite fu- it's quite funny, actually. I watched this in lockdown, and it inspired me to download and play the first Arkham Asylum game again. And um, after watching this yesterday, uh, I had to go to work so I get to play it, but I then downloaded the second Arkham game, which is Arkham City. Um, and I'll probably play that over the next week or two. <laughs> and that's, you know, that's going to be more Kevin Conroy in my life, which is not a bad thing. I, I have a question about the... Um... Uh, and yeah, we have naturally moved on. So obviously, you know, huge condolences to every, all family and everyone connected and, and what what a loss of a legend and what a stunning performance. Mm-hmm. Um, the sure. I have a question about the, the placement then. So in the this comes between series one and two of Batman the Animated Series. So in Batman the Animated release, Series. Yes. It's, Batman the Animated Series, series one, doesn't... Is this the official origins of Batman in the world of Batman, the animated series. Are they retelling the origins? Are they filling it in? Cause they didn't tell it in series one. What's going on with the origins of Batman in this movie and the animated series as a whole. Um, so yeah, pretty much it, they, they touch on the, I believe they touch on the, the, you know, the parents murder and sort of show that as the impetus in the animated series. But in terms of telling Batman's early years of Batmaning, they never tackled that in in the uh, in the show. The show starts with a fully formed Batman Batmaning around, and they look at they look at the his parents' deaths in the show um, as the impetus for him becoming Batman. But we never see the origin of Batman the way we do here in terms of you know slightly adult. Or heading to his adult, you know, hood, Bruce Wayne, figuring out. Oh, I, did, I put a mask on and I went and fought those guys, but they weren't scared of me, you know. Like figuring out being Batman, basically. Um, mm. uh, that that was never depicted in the show. Um, it may have been depicted sort of following the show, because again, that Batman character continued to appear even when his own show ended, um, which is strange, but yeah, because of the Justice League animated show and many others. So maybe they tackled it later on, but in the at least in the animated series, I, I, to my memory, they, they didn't tackle that at all. So it was it was more about the, the parents' murder that was, I believe, covered in the show rather than this. So yeah, this is the first time we got to see this. But it's it's interesting because it's, it's very inspired. Well, very is a strong word. The, the, it it is kind of a little inspired by um, a Batman story called Batman Year One, which is um, a comic about just that his first year as Batman, and it's it's one of my favorite Batman stories. Um, there's also Batman Year Two, which I'm not as fond of, but I really like. I think my favorite Batman story probably is maybe Long Halloween. Um, which is just a fantastic, fantastic sort of quintessential Batman story. But yeah, well, Year One is a real classic. And it actually has a sequence in it, very similar to a sequence in this, where Batman gets caught 
um, on a construction site or inside of a like a derelict building, and it's surrounded by the police, and he has to try and think his way out of it. Um, that feels somewhat cribbed. Um, yeah, so I th- I think that's kind of. You know, year one was definitely an inspiration for this movie, and 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 year one happened quite a ways into the Batman comics existing, where he was already a fully formed Batman. The idea of going back and actually filling in his early, less experienced days was quite a novel idea. Um, and when you think about it, like not many, not many superhero things do that. Um, or certainly in the old comics back then. I mean, I guess when they when they created Spider Man, S- Spider Man got created on on the page, and you got to watch him get better at being Spider Man. But like, really, the Golden Age characters, like your Supermans and your Batmans, we didn't often go back and tell. Like, they were already they existed when the comic started in the world, uh, and they were already you know running around doing it. So it's a little bit different. But yeah, um, so yeah, that's 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 a, a very long-winded version of an answer to, you, to a question that probably could have been answered much shorter. <laughs> no, 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 no. I was just, I was just really, really intrigued. Um, so how do you? So the big question, Dan. I mean, I, th- <laughs> I think we've, I think we've answered it. Um, but you, you put this on with a critical eye for the first mm-hmm. time. Is, is there anything that's that you're going, huh? about is there anything that you didn't notice anything that doesn't because you know let's not you know we don't need we don't need to tease it we've made it very clear in what we've already said that we both think this is a fantastic movie and absolutely holds up but is there what did you what did you is there anything you noticed with a critical eye uh either good or bad that you've never really noticed before uh, yeah, I guess I guess I have two sort of mild, very very mild, the most mild of criticisms, I guess. Um, one, I, even though this movie really, really does end up selling you on Andrea and Bruce as a as a as a as a couple, the initial meeting and dating is done very quickly and cheesily. They get away with it because it's in the context of flashbacks. But like, so you when make, you actually you run it down very quickly, they meet in the graveyard. It's awkward. She gives him, I think she gives him her number. Then she just yeah. shows up two days later. He's doing jujitsu. It's not jujitsu, by the way. That was not jujitsu. That was taekwondo. Very up- upset about that. As someone who used to watch MMA, no, unacceptable. Ironically, what she does to him is jujitsu. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Um, then. <laughs> She drags him to the ground, considering that the only other interaction they've had has been the graveyard meeting. They're then just kissing. And I was like, get, like, maybe say hi, like get to know each other. And look, they have some very nice snippy, like fun dialogue, you know, where she's like, well, I thought something was wrong. You hadn't called me back. I'm so great and, you know, brilliant or whatever. Most men do, you know, or whatever she says. Just a funny line. It's good. It is good. But like, it is very quick. Like it's it's it does it leads to some really nice moments, and obviously the brilliant joke of uh, of Alfred coming out with the tray and then just turning back around, yeah, which is obviously, <laughs> great. obviously then repeated. Everything <laughs> everything Alfred does in this movie is gold. By the way, we we should talk about that later. But yeah, Al- Alfred's amazing yeah. in this movie. Um, they get him. They 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 understand all the characters actually. That this interpretation of the Joker is also very definitive, and we'll talk about that also. Mm. Um, but yeah, the um. Uh, that's so that's one criticism. I don't know if you had anything you wanted to add to that because I because you you know you're our resident I, sort of 
relationship, like movie relationship guy. You love a you love a good love story. I don't know. How did you feel about? Yeah, it? I think I think they because like you say the the but the in general with romances the Facebook the the flashback structure helps helps them. The writer because helps the audience because you can go well. There's loads of time in between, like, and that's when they really fell in love. Um, I think you're right about the kiss happening really quick. I mean, clearly, Dan, <laughs> clearly you've never, you know, met a girl for the second time, had a little karate fight, and then kissed. You know, and it happens sometimes. You know, guys like guys like me and Bruce uh, experience these things. Um, um, I mean, I literally happened. just told you it was taekwondo and jujitsu. I, I mean, I. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, that was wilf- I... that was willful ignorance, is what that was. <laughs> yeah, no, I get a real kick out. But I'll be honest with you, if we if we, if we talk about this scene again, I'm going to call it something else. Um, <laughs> so you know, I get I get the um, I get that the boxing scene it is a bit quick, and and I think you could make an argument. Um, yes. Oh, by the way, just a quick side note: my my cousin texted me the other day to say he was catching up on rewide reviews. Uh, and he thinks that you know the bit where uh, sort of we're calling the we're trying to avoid saying in the book, and he said that at one point I said um, in the version that's all subtitles, and it really flew under the radar. <laughs> he was like, "Dad didn't get give that one the recognition it deserved." <laughs> <laughs> well, you did so many of them. There was a, I, I, the, you're right. That's brilliant. Um, and I probably, I assume I laughed, but like it's one of those things where like you did so many of those. So for anyone who doesn't know what Chris is referring to, when we were doing um, the the films that shall not be named, um, yeah, the, 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 about the boy wizard, um, we would we, we started using the phrase in the book so much that Chris started making a joke out of it where he tried to find alternate ways to say in the book. And uh, the version that's all subtitles is a good one. Um, and in isolation, that's, that's a great joke. You know, big claps, yeah. big laughs. But you've done... You did like thirty of them. Like it just, yeah, it just, yeah. it. I couldn't stop and make a point of each and every one. But that is That's a good fair. one, and, and credit the, where credit's due. <laughs> I, I think you could make an argument that they do a better job at at making you feel the pain, the weight, and the connection of what she represents to Bruce, and how he really wants that as opposed to uh her specifically so you absolutely get in this movie that he he wants to be with her specifically i'm not saying that what i'm saying is in terms of the emotional weight and response to their story it is more about bruce bruce choosing to actually be happy you know that's one of the best scenes in the movie is when he's at the grave and he says oh. i didn't realize i could be happy it's fucking incredible wow um yeah. and the pa- and the, and the parallels you know he's actively mm-hmm. you know alfred says oh you know maybe there is a world where you could be together then and he he's confused but he's definitely leaning that way and the, the parallels with her you know they've both got their trauma and he's going well i can make an attempt to be happy and she's going no i I can't do that. That's not how I'm going to handle this. And I, I think what they represent to each other is perhaps the stronger element of mm-hmm. their love story than specifically them being an amazing couple or, or love interests for each other. Right. 
Yeah, and I, and I think they, you know, their relationship and their the the, the way they diamet they're they're both on the same path and oh, and, and and yet on different ones, um, and the, and and the way they're a dark, you know, she's a dark mirror of him in many ways, um, yeah, is yeah, yeah. the heart of this movie, like, li- what, literally, thing- even even in co- even in costume, like, yeah, yes, yes, yeah, and I, you know, and I think yeah. that's that's an incredible element of this movie, and the, one of the strongest parts, I guess, to clarify, you know. The mild, 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 coldest of 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 of, of criticisms I had was more about, I guess, specifically the transition from they meet at the graveyard, they they meet doing I don't know what. Well, should we make up another? Do you want to come up with another sumo wrestling? There you go. They're doing some sumo wrestling. Yeah. yeah. Um, during the kickboxing scene, um, I'm going to use them all up so you can't. Um, you know that can only have happened immediately after. There can't have been anything in between, so I guess that's the one time yeah, well, that feels a bit rushed. But yeah, but well, I, I don't even think it's the one time because, to be fair, as well as the as well as the kind of flashback scene where they're playing chess, they also get back together really quickly when they reunite. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, yeah. That's also I, I did make a note about that too. So yeah, I guess. But I. But you know what? It's like it's an hour and what fifteen minutes. The movie. It's 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 like how how often are you? How much well, time? I, I think it any, doesn't really any, matter. Is my point, I guess. Any any criticism of of the movie because I've I've got a nitpick, and I I think there's a a kind of wider criticism uh that, to explore as well. But the I've got I've got a similar nitpick, and and but uh, the nitpicks I think come down to actually the criticism is chuck another chuck another twenty minutes on it. If like obviously circumstances, the way it was made, three episodes put together, you know, you put all of that stuff aside, you put away the logistics of doing that in the in the actual circumstances in which they created this thing. Mm-hmm. You know, in an ideal world, if you're talking about what what could you what could you do to improve this movie? putting on another 20 minutes or so is the answer because my thing is it's not overly especially watching it for the first time who's who in terms of the villains and the mob and like the gang of potential candidates for the phantasm it it kind of feels like some of those characters are only in there to make you go maybe they're the phantasm and keeping track of all of that stuff yeah. I think they they don't have the time to give you the scenes that are going going to allow you to do that easily on yeah. first watch. And again, well, that criticism comes back to well, both the, both of our sort of nitpicky criticisms of the film mm-hmm. the, would the be resolved with criticisms. A, a very light criticism would be resolved if the movie had another twenty minutes. They could do more scenes with that with that subset of villains. And they could do more scenes of the, of those two. They yeah, could maybe have a scene, it. have a scene in between, um, uh, in between wrestling and and oh, kissing. Yes, very good. Yeah, um, yeah and, and you know th- those two are the best examples. Um, you know our Greco-Roman wrestling scene and the uh, and the uh, and uh, the, the you know the, the stuff around the mob. Because I agree with you on the mob stuff. I think that you know a bit of time. There are a lot of characters because the mob is made up of a lot of different guys. A little bit of time spent doing another scene or two with those guys, just so I have a better sense of who's who and what each of them connections yeah. is to each other. I, I, you, you figure it out as the movie goes on. But for the first, yeah, like, yeah. I don't know. I think the movie is a little deliberately confusing at the beginning because it uses this sort of non-linear structure because of the flashbacks, and that's fine. 
I don't mind that. Uh, that's not. It's not a criticism. No, not that structure, structural choice. It's. I just think like, you know, with this art style, because the characters are drawn so simply, beautifully, but simply, it is also easy to to mix them up visually. I think sometimes as well, especially the mobster guys, especially the more generic ones. So I think that is a valid, mm. uh, a valid point. Um, a bigger. Can I do a bigger that links to this? A bigger criticism that I am I'd not re- deliberately not kind of read any reviews or or anything like that um but i imagine uh, something that is talked about in those things that, that links to that notion of the mob sometimes being there to make you wonder who the phantasm is this isn't necessarily a criticism more as an amusing observation i mean it's pretty obvious who the phantasm is isn't it if you're gonna if you're gonna hide a twist yeah. movie when you introduce the character don't introduce them in the most this is a villain like she's her face is hidden she's on the phone she's like okay i was just thinking about so it's like you're 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 introducing this woman as a villain like you're literally you're literally going aesthetically like dialogue like like i say the way her face is in the shadow it absolutely mm-hmm. reads as guys. This is this is the villain of the movie, well, by the way. And then also deliberately setting up her um, self defense abilities and her ability to take down Bruce. Um, yeah, in, yeah. In her second flashback scene, she's kicking Bruce's ass. Yeah. So to, so we should actually set this point. We haven't clarified for anyone who hasn't seen this movie in a while. To clarify, the plot of the movie, we should say, is um, there's a serial killer called the Phantasm taking out members of the mob. Um, yes, it's, this was a children's movie, but it's about a serial killer. Um, taking out members of the mob one by one, some some of which in brutal fashion. I, I, the, the statue, holy hell. Whoa, that's a hell of a way to go. Um, someone falls into a grave, and then the, the, the statue that's waiting to be at the foot of that grave is then pushed into the open grave, crushing the guy. It's not depicted graphically, but it's depicted enough for you to know what's happening. <laughs> I don't see any child watching that and not understanding that guy dead, but hey-ho. Uh, <laughs> we'll, we'll talk about that later because there's some other bits like that. Um, although I do love the way they've used some of the censorship or the the, the, the expected censorship to their advantage. Uh, there's an amazing moment towards the end of this movie when the Joker reaches for a weapon to defend himself and he's got a choice between a knife and a big stick of bologna. Um, now, I know that Initially, maybe the reason they chose for him to not pick up a knife was because you can't have a knife-wielding villain on a show like this. You know, it has to be comic booky because obviously censorship. But, but just what a perfect choice for the Joker to pick up the stick of meat and start beating her with it. It's, it's so absurd. It's very Joker. Anyway, just the idea that he would pick the item that he thought was funnier to defend himself with is just extremely... Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just an extremely great understanding of the character. Um, anyway, um, so the premise of the movie is that there's a serial killer out there uh, that's killing off mobsters. People think Batman's finally gone loco and is just murdering mobsters left, right, and center, but it's actually this fan- phantasm character who he's investigating. Meanwhile, we're getting a flashback story to his past where he, when in his early days of figuring out who Batman was, he fell in love with this character called Andrea Beaumont whose dad had weird connections to the mob and eventually she had to run away um, for her own safety with her dad. I think one of the people you're led to believe is the Phantasm is her dad returning because they give him the same voice. Um, It's the same voice actor that voices her dad and the Phantasm character. Um, And um, it's about Bruce trying to clear his name. And then the mob turn to Joker 
because they think it's Batman 2. Um, and that's how the Joker gets involved, to, to, to take out Batman. And it all sort of collides in the third act when you discover that the Joker um, was actually... Um, is one of uh, the former mobsters that the Phantasm is actually after. And the Phantasm is, of course, um, as we've already established, Andrea Beaumont, um, who's back to avenge her father because he's been, uh, he, was, he was killed um, shortly after they, they fled. You know, the mobsters found him, and this is her returning for her revenge, which is what Bruce does. You know, she, she, Bruce lost his parents and is donning a costume and fighting crime in Gotham. She's lost her parents. Uh, her father specifically to the Gotham mob on his back, but she's she's doing it with deadly force, and that's why she's this brilliant sort of dark reflection of Bruce as a character. We probably should have said all that right at the front of this to make this conversation less confusing. Um, so apologies to anyone who's decided to listen to this having not seen it recently and was a bit like, wait, what was the plot again? Um, so yeah, uh, that's the plot of the movie. Uh, yeah, my question for you was going to be, did you find the surprise surprising? Um, I don't even think as a child I found it surprising. It's, it's very clear, I think. Um, to the point... Where, like, you know, I wrote it in my notes, like, has anyone ever been convinced that it's not her? It's, for a few reasons. The obvious practical ones, that, you know, we establish that she can fight, we establish that she has a motive, we establish all the things we establish. And this isn't massively a criticism that you know, to be honest with you. It doesn't really affect the quality of the film. Um... But also, it's just too thematically obvious. Is that is that a weird thing to say? No, no child is noticing this. It just makes the most sense for the story as well, for for it to be her. It's the most interesting way for this to play out, right? Because of all those links, the fact that that would make her a, a sort of a, a, a dark mirror of Bruce. It, it, it couldn't be anyone else, could it? No, I don't think so. And, and I think psychologically, psychologically, maybe is that mm. the right word? You do, even if you don't know it's that you're understanding as a child, I think you... Oh, maybe you were thinking of subconsciously. Subconsciously, thank you. Jesus, I'm very tired. Um, Subconsciously, I think that would seek it. Yeah, I should clarify. I also am running on about two and a half hours sleep, so I think... um, I don't think either of us are in a good way for this. I should clarify. No. If, anyone's, um, if anyone feels the, con- the, con- the quality of the content is somehow below our usual low bar, um, that would be why. <laughs> yeah, but here's, here's the thing, Dan. We hit such a low with those last few Boy Wizard movies. Um, well, yes. just to clarify, uh, uh, Boy Wizard's um, big explorer in the past movies um, yes. yeah. that we... Uh, we yeah, I think we I think it's the only way is up now, which is great, because <laughs> you know? our states hit su- uh, such a low yeah. for those movies. Um, the I think it's so well layered, it's so intrinsically mm-hmm. part of the DNA of this movie. Those those themes, uh, that that exploration of the character, um, and the characters, um, that I think you you would pick that up as a as a kid but uh, but maybe not they do they do do the, the best job they do is convincing you it might be her father but again the, the you you jump you, from the moment of it's dad i'm going after him to oh no it's me there's not much time in between those moments because there can't be because the movie's only 73 minutes long so again that's another thing where you put another 20 minutes on the movie and yeah. i think that that helps that as well yeah yeah any, but basically i think to, to sort of like in terms of criticisms like every small 
you know, unimportant criticism we might have of this movie that really don't affect the overall enjoyment of it. It's still a massive, massive recommend. They're all, yeah, solvable in the same way. Because my other one, my only other one, was that I wish there was a little more clarity. <sighs> okay, so the ending. We talk, I'll talk briefly about the ending. The, 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 we, we end up at a big... Uh, we end up coming back to the World's Fair, which I think it was Patrick H. Willem, Willems pointed out um, on one of his videos... Um, I'm only vaguely half remembering this, so if I'm misremembering what he said, you'll have to forgive me. Um, but I think he said something like the the, the 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 World's Fair is this brilliant analogy for their relationship. They first go there, and it's new, and it's shiny, and it's all about the potential of the thing, which is their relationship, right? When they first visit the World's Fair, their relationship, as far as the, either of those two characters know, is this wonderful thing that's going to potentially define their lives. When we return to it, that not having been what happened, it's decaying, it's corrupted, it's broken, you know? It's this brilliant thematic link to the characters. And not only that, yeah, yeah. but, but what's infecting it is the Joker. He seems to rather randomly live there. And he represents the forces of evil for both these characters. He is one of her targets, having been a low-level mobster at the time. And he is obviously one of Batman's biggest sources of of trouble in Gotham. You know, both these characters have reason to want to want to want to kill Joker and the movie ends um or the or the, the the climax of the of the third act sort of ha- occurs when she basically makes the choice that she'll take out Joker, even if it means her dying too. Mm. And Batman escapes barely, and the World's Fair explodes, basically. Um, the only problem is, I am not sure how I feel about them doing it the way they do it, because visually... I don't think it's very clear that's what happened. And again, I suspect that was probably more just to avoid the wrath of the censors. Because anything a bit more overt would have probably been a problem. Um, especially for a movie they, I assume they wanted to get in front of children. Um, but it's not... It, I think it slightly, just very slightly, hurts the impact of her choice. That you don't know for sure that that's what happened. And then they doubly hurt that. I think, by showing her alive and well at the end of the movie. I'm not sure yeah, it, I like it, that yeah, choice. It's probably yeah. my... It's probably the closest to an actual full-on not-little criticism I have is showing her alive and well. I think it slightly hurts the tragic end of the movie. Maybe. Well, especially when... the, the I think the necklace would have been enough of a tease. Did she leave the necklace before going? Did she... Sure. like you? You've got... You've got the necklace scene, just use that. Like, you don't actually then need to show it. It's like we talk about, we've talked a lot in the past, we won't revisit it, it here. But for us, our preferred end to The Dark Knight Rises is just Alfred looking and smiling. And he's clearly looking at something. Maybe we see another person there, but we never see the face. We never get confirmation that it's Bruce. We just have Alfred tell that story earlier in the movie. And we then see him smile at the end. And it's kind of the same here. The necklace would have given you that. You don't need to then literally show her. My my issue yeah. with that bit 
and I'm just watching it now to check. Yeah, my issue with that bit is I would have really liked it if, like, like Andrea and the Joker disappear through the smoke, and then Bruce has to get himself out of trouble. I would, I, I just, it would have been great if they'd have written it in such a way where maybe she like pushes Bruce down that sewer and then dashes off. Like, I, I, I think you could have added her saving him. Like she she leaves Bruce to die as well, technically. <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Or like have her fight him and push him into the sewer. Yeah, it's um, interesting though, because I'm you know. I'm not sure would that damage her whole. I don't really, I don't care about anything but my vengeance. You know, because 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 that's the one mm. thing that separates her from Bruce, right? Is that he's there's a line he's not willing to cross for his vengeance for his you know, catharsis for his, you know, for, for fulfilling his promise. She is willing to cross that line. And I, and, and would, yeah, yeah, that's would save, what would, would saving Bruce, I don't know. I, I, part of me thinks it wouldn't, part of me thinks it wouldn't. I don't know. Um, I like the idea. It's interesting. I just don't know if it hampers her at any cost thing. Should she not be focused on it's... that? And also do we, we, we do need to have Bruce see her vanish in a puff of smoke right that's important true because obviously that's part of the tragedy of it everything about that fairground fight and that end kind of explosion stuff is so filmic and epic though isn't it and so inventive like them fighting with like the joker's toys and the joker having his sort of various fairground weaponry and then the and then the the fire surrounding them it's all visually and in uh, kind of uh, in, all... in 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 its invention is yes. just so spectacular. I'm particularly fond of Joker and Batman fighting in the sort of uh, model of Gotham when they're like giants ah, and like they're both they're both massive and it kind of feels like yeah. you know it feels like Godzilla. It feels like, it feels feels like Power Rangers. <laughs> it's huh. It feels like a fever dream, is what it feels like. <laughs> it's, it's fantastic, it's though. It's and and again, like I'm sitting here going, these are some. Um, th- this is some of the most original fighting I've ever seen in a superhero or comic book movie, mm-hmm. and it's it's 1993. Like, what's happening here, people? This is yeah, still it, some of the most original fight sequences I've ever seen in a superhero and comic book movie. And it shouldn't, because I should be saying, when I first saw this, it was original. Now it's all been done to death. You shouldn't be mm. feeling that. How many of these have we done at this point, Chris? We're on, what, 60-something now, I think? Like, like, how many times have we watched a movie and gone, oh, it was groundbreaking in its time. Now it's a bit quaint, because we've had this and this, you know, that have been yeah, inspired and, and- by it. You know, and it's look, amazing we, to me that this is still somehow that it shouldn't and be. We've, and for those, for anyone being pedantic and going, yeah, but I mean, specifically, you know, you've not done many superhero movies. Hey, we did Power Rangers, and you know that is the that is the mm. king of of two two big things <laughs> fighting a city. <laughs> well, just because we've not covered them doesn't mean I haven't seen superhero movies. It doesn't, no, 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 it no, doesn't change no, my point. You, spe- <laughs> you specifically said how many of these have we done? That's that's why I bring that up. Oh uh, yeah, I just no, I meant just in podcasting, like about old movies yeah. in general. How many rewind reviews have we done now? We've done like sixty of them, and the amount of times we've watched an old movie and said this was groundbreaking in whatever year yeah it doesn't seem necessarily that way now because we live in a world where that movie inspired all of its copycats so all of the people who who saw the movie loved the movie 
took inspiration from the movie, which is fine. It's how these things work. It's how art evolves. You know, there isn't a modern act in music right now that you can't trace back to the Beatles. And even if it's not direct, they might not be a fan of the Beatles. They might not know a single Beatles song, but they probably are fans of a band that were fans of a band that were fans of the Beatles. Like, you can... Yeah, my... This stuff evolves. And yet, Phantasm... uh, For just... I don't know through the the, the sort of weird uh, whimper that it had at the box office, Um, the fact it didn't get the international release, the fact that it's still to this day, other than with weird nerds, is forgotten often when when Batman movies are discussed. Um, It just doesn't seem to have had the cultural impact it probably should have, in a wider sense, which means it still feels extremely fresh because no one's done it since. I think I've said it before, but my favourite example of that is um, Ed Sheeran was interviewed and like when he first, you know, his first couple of albums, he wasn't particularly a fan of U2. And he said people in interviews kept saying to him, but you must be a fan of U2 because there's clearly so much U2 influence in your music. And he and he kept going, no, no, I'm a fan of Snow Patrol. <laughs> like, and Snow Patrol were clearly influenced by U2. U2. Exactly. And like, it's fe- it's bled into my music, but it, my reference point is not U2. My reference point is Snow Patrol. And U2's reference point was pe- was potentially the Beatles. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, for mm-hmm. obviously certain things, I'm not comparing the two acts musically, but... Yeah, no, I. Oh I man, I just got this. to the image of Joker riding one of the small trains like a skateboard through the sea. <laughs> I'm just, I've got it in front so of me like good. you have, and I'm just looking at some of the shots, man. The little, the little toy planes cutting Batman up. Um, uh, the, jo- <laughs> the Joker hiding as the Chrysler building with the big with the helmet. <laughs> so fucking so ridiculous! Oh, I love it. Let's this is do a that great then. version of Joker. Let's let, let's talk about Mark Hamill's yeah. Joker. So let's talk about Joker. Yeah, because, because you could argue everything we've said about Batman just in this movie, Batman Bruce, just change some of the words, make the balance about uh, you know some some Jokers have in the movie adaptations. Some Jokers are just full on fucking crazy. Some Jokers are the Joker that. Is the other you know um, Heath Ledger is the mastermind of the plan, and that's an element of the character, and they kind of focus on that. Obviously, they they have a fair amount of crazy in there as well. But if you c- comparatively to uh, Nicholson's mm-hmm. Joker or you know <laughs> Jared Leto's Joker, it's not as overt, it's not as it's not as comic book as um, their performances. This Joker feels like again a really good balance of all the things that Joker should be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I think Mark Hamill. I mean, obviously, it's, uh, we should say here as well. By the way, you know, we we talked a lot about Kevin Conroy being the mo- one of the more nuanced versions. Obviously, worth noting because I'm sure people were thinking it. The writing is doing a lot of that too. Obviously, these are very oh, yeah, well yeah, written course, yeah. versions of these characters. Um, I I do think it's that everything is working together that these guys are all so iconic. You know, this is one of the best realized versions of the joker just on the page before you hand it to an actor and then you hand it to mark hamill and then you hand you know one of the better versions of batman that's ever been written you know to to, to kevin conroy like Mm. it's 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 a real just lightning in a bottle moment of all these things working so well together you know and and these two characters these two actors played these two to, to for for years to come following the series you know mark hamill voices the joker in the batman arkham games they, they those two go hand in hand when they did the killing joke years and years people said 
Mark Hamill, will you when they do the Killing Joke as a movie, will you will you return to voice the Joker? I'd done it a little while, and he was like, only if Kevin's Batman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 you know, I, I, we'll, we'll do it. We'll do it if we do it together. And it was all anyone demanded for years and years and years. And when they finally announced it was happening, and they announced it was happening with those two, boy, boy, howdy, did people get excited? And they were right to, absolutely right to. And it was, and it's incredible. So yeah, so a lot of the stuff we said about Batman, we can say about the Joker here. It's it's probably one of the most definitive, most complete, most honest to the comics, but also still completely. Uh, you know, d- definitively this version of the character where it doesn't feel like... Like, no one's copied this since. Like, this is... No one's replicated this. Um, you know, but it also... It feels distinct enough that it feel, it doesn't feel like they've just literally taken line for line the Joker from the comics. Um, yeah, Mark Hamill's interpretation of that character is and will continue to be one of the best ever. Um, and, and and you're right. Like, he, he has a real balance of the chaos... And the, the the insanity of the Joker, but also like uh, he's a, he's a schemer too. Always got a plan up his sleeve. Always got a backup. Um, I think what's interesting about Heath Ledger's Joker is he sort of has a plan, but I think even in that movie he talks about the fact that he doesn't really. He just seems like he does. He's like a dog chasing. He says yeah. he's like a, I'm like a dog chasing a car. If I don't know what, actually what I'll do with it if I catch it. Whereas it feels like this Joker always does know what the plan is. He always does know what the end game is. Um, you know, he he he's he's happy to adapt and live in the chaos, but he's also usually got a good idea of what it is he's doing. Um, I will say as well, yeah, they're very fair. good at making this Joker seem like a complete badass too. He, he you know, his introduction in this movie so menacing. <laughs> um, he's he is genuinely funny and scary, and that's really hard to mix. Yeah, and it was really cool for me because I was like, "Oh, sweet, the Joker's here!" <laughs> like, right? Like, yeah, because I, really I guess yeah, this that. version of the Joker is pretty, pretty not exclusive, but is very, very attached to the to to the Batman animated series. And I guess for you, having not really grown up, I don't, I don't know if you answered this question. Did you watch the animated series as a kid? No, 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 I didn't. No, no, you didn't. Okay, so for you, I guess this must be one of your first experiences of Mark Hamill's Joker. Yeah, I've I've um kind of sort out clips like whenever you know whenever a joker clip with him comes up as a recommended i'll watch it like and i've right. probably seen clips of this movie and not realized it was clips of this movie sure. so i've definitely been exposed to his performance and didn't he didn't he didn't he play a villain in the flash which was essentially the joker <laughs> like, uh, he sort of that. did it was that was interesting so when in the 90s he did the 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 John Wesley Ship Flash TV show, where he right. played a villain, and then he got to play that villain again in the Flash, the modern right, Flash. Okay. Um, so yeah, he got to bring that villain. But that's a character he played originally as well, though. So he's that's yeah. But yes, he's he also did a version of um, Hobgoblin, I think, for the Spider-Man animated series. Um, and oh, he nice. was very good. He was very good as Hobgoblin in in the animated series from the nineties as well. Although. Didn't he do? Didn't he do a space movie as well? Wasn't he in like a a, a series uh, of films about um about no? I think like you're thinking of so, I stuff. think you're thinking of someone else. Ah, okay, fair enough. He's ex- fair he's enough. exclusively a voice guy, Mark Hamill. He doesn't really. Ah, uh, you know what? I'm thinking of Patrick Stewart. My bad. My yeah, bad. there you go. There you go. Yep, yeah, yep, yeah. Yep, yep. Um, no, yeah, no. It's it's an. It's an <laughs> can't wait to. I can't wait to hear the. I can't wait to see the comments for this one and see somebody not understand that was a joke. But carry on. <laughs> yeah, that would be very clear. I was joking. Um, 
the yeah, it's it's fantastic, and it and it is really and and for something that could feel like, and maybe some people have criticised the film for this. I don't know, but it could feel like, oh, you've you've <laughs> you've whacked the Joker in halfway through. It didn't feel like that for me because it's such a pleasure to watch Mark Hamill. <laughs> like it's such, also he fits he fits into this role because he's he's not what the movie's so about, linked. and the, they never make yeah. the movie about him. He's He's a plot device in this movie, and it's a great yeah, one. It's sure. one that pushes the two main characters to their ultimate conflict. Mm. You know, he serves the Absolutely. plot so clearly, and it's not about him. No point does the Joker get like character development or flashbacks or you know anything other than to establish his link to the story. Obviously, um, so this is a brilliant use of that character because it's he's he's he's. He's, they get to they get to have their cake and eat it too because he gets to be in the movie, but it doesn't have to be about him, and that's like serves this story so well because he is, as I said earlier, like by linking him very cleverly to both characters' pasts, making him the the uh, you know the the source of both characters' issue. You know, uh, you get to demonstrate the differences between the Phantasm and Batman and how they're handling the villains. Yeah. It's just genius. Yeah, and so, he's he's so like good. the last he's the last piece of her puzzle, you know, he's the last piece of her right. vengeance. That's that's why he's involved in the climax. That's why that's all about him. And it's interesting because often and I don't know what they've done differently here, but often whenever a comic or a cartoon or a movie does the Joker's like origin, I generally don't like it because I like that he's just this insane force of chaos that you know you don't really know where he came from, and it's almost not important. There's a certain mystery to the character. It's kind of deliberate. But they, they, they gave him a bit of a backstory here, but I think they were just clever enough to keep it really thin. We don't actually know what he did for the mob. We don't know how long he was with them. It's We don't have a name you know, we don't have a sob story involving his mother. You know, it's 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 just oh, he happened to at some point in his in whatever his backstory is, he he worked for the mob as a as a as a low level like gunner guy, and I think that's just somehow that's close enough to the line to have not bothered that part of my brain that generally doesn't like exploring the Joker's past. Um. Yeah. And also, I think because they get such a good plot element out of it by linking both to to him, um, I find it hard to be annoyed at it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Yeah, that I think is that's generally something fair. I feel very strongly about with the characterization of the Joker in many Batman things I've seen. I mean, the, the Nolan version particularly understood that, you know, by giving four oh, different man. origin stories. I mean, that's such a oh, genius it's idea. It's the best. It's the fucking yeah. best. It's yeah, so good. It's great. Like so that good. perfectly because when he first tells the first one in the movie, I remember in the cinema being like, "Oh, really? Uh, I didn't need that. I really didn't need or want that in the movie." And then they, he does another version of the story later that's different. I was like, "Oh, cool. Okay, you get it. <laughs> good. Nice." Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Isn't approved. it amazing how we've done we've done so much of these and not got yet to <laughs> to, to Nolan's Batman trilogy. <laughs> Well, yeah, there's a well. I made a list recently of like the trilogies we can do because obviously we're you know, we we got we got a lot um to cover. Um, but yeah, uh, Jurassic Park trilogy, the Indiana Jones trilogy, the Spider Man trilogy, the Star Wars prequels, the Nolan ones, the X Men movies, the original X Men trilogy. There's there's plenty of trilogies sitting on the table for us to to to, to tackle. Um, yeah, 
so we'll we'll get to them. I'm really excited to do the Jurassic Park trilogy, the original Jurassic Park trilogy, because they, oh boy, howdy, do they shit the bed of that third one? I can't wait to do that. <laughs> That's gonna be so much fun, because <laughs> the first one is such a masterpiece, and the third one is one of the worst movies. <laughs> I can't wait. It's so it is such a fall from grace, and it's so hard. It's like it's incredible. It's such like I the, the, the oh man. The distance between the first and third of those movies, <laughs> the, the gulf is remarkable. I can't wait. So yeah, that's a little tease for a future season. At some point, we'll get to those. Um, so yeah, um, to cover some of the bits that we haven't really necessarily done, visually, I think this movie is amazing. Um, I want to talk briefly just about the choice of doing the sort of no, the, the Tim Burton sort of 1940s art deco nightmare world that exists mm-hmm. where like it's sort of like so in the good. 40s but it's also not at all <laughs> I don't, yeah. um uh, it's great it just works for batman really well and I, I that was a real weird choice that nolan made that inspired this because this this series kind of got commissioned on the back of batman fever that occurred following nolan's uh, not nolan's burton's um movie the the 89 one um yeah just a just a really great look also the choice and this will always be an inspired choice and for those of you who are a fan of this series this is going to be a boring thing you already have heard a thousand times but a really interesting choice that was made when making the series and therefore this this movie was um actually not to animate on white paper but actually to give it its very distinct look they animated on black paper um and colored over the top of the 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 black color uh, because they knew they needed so many dark shades to make Gotham gothic, I guess, um, that they chose to animate and, and draw on, onto black paper instead. Which obviously saved a lot of money as well, because they won't have to colour in everything. Oh, not my mic. Sorry. Uh, they weren't having to colour in, you know, most of the frames with huge amounts of black. Um, because obviously black was already on the page. That's your baseline colour. And it gave the show a look that... I don't think anything, nothing looked like this show at the time, you know. Um, and obviously, you're combining that with Bruce Timm's wonderful design work, his character models. Uh, Bruce Timm, an absolute master of these sort of simple but somehow intricate character models. I don't know how he does it. It's, it's wizardry to me. Um, not, 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 not a sort of, uh, not a big drawer, drawer. Not a big artist guy in that sense. Um, and I will always boggle my mind at how good he is at making these characters with these really clean, simple silhouettes that look that, that, that look great in motion and but still feel sufficiently detailed that, you know, they feel they belong to the world. You know, the, the yeah, subtle so, details on the costumes and stuff. So strange for me. Like, and I know, I know obviously all of them have been muscly and, and Ben Affleck in particular was kind of... Um, bulked up for the role but but like this was my first like truly bulky batman <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know what i mean in, like broad chested yes broad chested yeah. yeah overtly bulky batman and I, I dug it man i can see i can see why you know andrea kissed him right away so but like you say it's it all, all all joking aside it creates it creates this iconic silhouette i mean admittedly it creates a silhouette where you even more so than usual you go how is no one getting this How's no one drawing the dots between these two people? They've right. got the same silhouette. <laughs> yeah, they, yeah, they do. And that's the cool thing about the way these they animate these as well. All the all the shots of Batman in the shadow, where he's just a sort of black shape 
but he's just decided because mm. the cape he creates this weird swooping shape that goes up to where the head comes in the ears and then of course the white glowing eyes oh come on come on mm. classic design i mean and obviously the movie is just doing the design from the show so obviously you know credit to the show for the designs and stuff but um you know, uh, it's, yeah. it's 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 the same. It's the same team, so um, they still deserve the credit for it. Um, mm. I think the music is great in this movie too. Um, you know, proper like orchestra music. Some cribbed again from the show, but you know, a lot of the main themes and stuff. But wow, really good, really really good. Um, sure. Yeah, have we covered everything? I can't look. Do I do I, do I just go through my notes, or do you, have you got any more big big stuff to talk about? No, I don't think so. No, I think it will probably all come out in your notes. What you what you got? Um, I I like. Uh, I, I know it's a short movie, so this has to be the case. But I love how quickly this movie gets going. Like the phantasm is in almost immediately, killing people. Batman being blamed for it. You know, introducing Andrea. Yeah. Like it all happens just like it just we're just in, and it's so quick. <laughs> it's actually a little jarring, but like in a good way. I really enjoyed that about it. That was one of my notes actually. See your notes. Your notes bring up bring up uh, other things that I suddenly remember. Um, really great, typical Batman first scene. Like, I really loved how quickly this felt like a Batman movie with that sequence. Um, mm-hmm. Like, you know, I really enjoyed that. It felt like such classic Batman. You know what mm. I mean? There's there's a casino, there's money laundering. Batman comes in, he's kicking ass, there's a great chase sequence, there's then then the villain's introduced and muddles everything up, like, yeah, great stuff. Yep. Yeah, we didn't really talk about the structure, actually. It's not in my notes, and it's just occurred to me we should talk about it. Um, what did you think to the, to the choice to sort of do the quite heavy flashback structure that really breaks up the story? How did you feel that worked for, for this particular, um, well, yeah, story? I, I didn't I, want to use the word story I really twice, enjoyed it because but I ended up doing it anyway. Because they'd set up, you know, we know that we're getting context to what's going on with this woman who we've who we've seen introduced yeah. and who we see clearly affects Bruce. Um, I thought, and you know, and it's all, and it's some of the most again, it's some of the most entertaining Batman becoming Batman stuff that I I think it's I think it works really well because everything in this movie is done in service of the characters and the character story they want to tell. And those flashbacks are absolutely done in service to that as well. So yeah, mm. no, I really, I really liked that element. Yeah, because even when they're, because because even when they're not directly like Bruce Andrea stuff, it's still really fascinating to see Bruce's journey to becoming Batman and that struggle. Because obviously that then leads us to that incredible graveyard scene, um, mm. which I, which I which I which I wrote down the line. It's and it's delivered so well. I'm not going to obviously even attempt to recreate the delivery, but it's when he says, you know, I know I made a promise. I didn't see this coming. I didn't count on being happy. And it's that oh, so good. It's so good. It's the movie's choice to make him becoming Batman tragic not not glorious you know that when he first puts on the suit in front of alfred alfred's scared not just because the suit is scary but because he's seeing what bruce is becoming this movie frames him becoming batman as a tragedy not a badass moment and yeah 
That's sure. so complex for a kid's thing. I, I, how easy would it have been for this movie to be, oh, there's a, there's a, there's a, there's another Batman out there and he's killing people and everyone's blaming Batman. And Batman just runs around chasing the villain and um, we do some flashbacks to how he became Batman and it's like, dun, 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 dun. he puts on the suit for the first time and it's like glorious and it's like, you know, he's, I'm Batman now and he like goes off and chases like a mobster or whatever and it's like, and, uh, you know, it would have been so easy to do that and then we probably would have made the same amount of money, <laughs> realistically speaking, you know. Um, so I think it's so incredible that again that they had such love for this character that they went to those depths to actually go well actually no it's super sad he's batman <laughs> it's not glorious at all <laughs> like it's not a good thing um it's 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 pretty bad actually <laughs> that he's you know <laughs> resorted to this <laughs> you know yeah i don't know it's, it seems like such an obvious thing when you say it but like it's uh, it, there are so many other ways this could have gone where it would have been uh, it would have been much shitter. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Um, what else? What else you got, Dan? Yes, let's have a quick look. Uh, yeah, do we think it's a, a, appropriate enough for, as a kids' movie? Because it is. I, I, it, it's a lot. It's a lot of people talking, and and it is. So it's. It's. I'm not. There's two le- levels to this question, actually, Chris. I'm going to ask your thoughts on. Is it too violent for a kids' movie? Number one and number two. It is ultimately a very heavy character piece. Do you think there's a danger of kids getting bored watching this? I didn't when I watched it, but I don't think I saw it as a kid kid. I think I saw it, a little, you know, sort of heading towards my teenage years, you know, when I finally got a copy. So, yeah, I don't know. Just thoughts in general on that. Yeah, I think I think it probably is, you know, because it is proper... Oh, sorry. Oh, oh, oh Dan, I've just been brought a cup of tea. Thank you very much. Oh. Um, okay. it, it Thanks, is, Jess. Um, Dan says thanks. <laughs> I don't. Um, I'm <laughs> I knew that was coming. Scum. I'm just a bad husband. Um, no, I did say thanks, which came in. Um, the I think it probably is too violent and too nuanced in a way. Um, but I but I think it still would have. You know, there's there's the great sequence at the end. There's fights throughout. There's you know there's some great iconography in there. And 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 you know you, you'd hope that's enough for younger younger children. Um, and because I think you know the you know it's great to again it's that it's that balance you know of this is a this is a Batman that flies through the air like the frame of a comic book and beats the shit out of people <laughs> like again mm. for me it's just that it's that perfect balance but yes I I certainly wouldn't if someone you know I've got I've you know I've got a friend at work she's got a five year old if they said to me oh, I love he loves Batman shall I show him uh, what movie should I show him? I'll be like, well, don't, <laughs> don't show him any of them. <laughs> like, mm. I don't know the the Lego Movie and concentrate on the Batman bits. <laughs> like, but I yeah. certainly wouldn't recommend showing them this. <laughs> no, I I think maybe the series was slightly more. No, see the series like they did Heart of Ice, which is like a real depressing look at mr freeze's situation that was like their fifth episode <laughs> so actually i'm not it's amazing this 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 show captivated kids i actually you know what i would say it's a testament to that people often underestimate what kids are willing to enjoy uh this show yeah and that's the hit, thing actually. yeah 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 that's fair um, that's that we we could be well you know we are wrong you you watched it as a kid and enjoyed it i mean you were yeah watching. i watched the series as a kid very much yeah, yeah like i said i was more in, i think i was more towards my teen years 
you know, early teens when I when I caught this particularly. But I don't think this is that different to the show. I don't think the show was more kid friendly, and then they made a more adult friendly movie. I think this is about the level. Because that show, it's one of the reasons that show still holds up. Every that's another thing I go back to every, maybe not as often as the movie, because obviously the movie's an hour and ten minutes, and I can stick that on for an afternoon. But the the series I've watched three times across my life, maybe four. So every sort of five, six years, I'll I'll blast through the series again. It's so good. It's really good. <laughs> I really recommend it for anyone who hasn't seen it. Um, what would you? It's a big question that we maybe don't have time for, Dan. But if you had to choose. X Men the X Men the animated series or or Batman the animated series. Uh, what, are you, what are you recommending? It's Batman yeah. all the way. I I love the X Men show. Uh, I love the Spider Man show that came with it. Uh, those sort of ninety four ninety five like those those Fox Kids uh, Marvel shows. They were super fun, but they lived. They existed. Wait, let me let me phrase that. They got to f- they got to fly because of this show. They got to soar because of this. This is uh, Batman the animated series is the reason those shows even got to exist. So uh, yeah, uh, Batman the animated series for a, for a, for a long shot. And I recently rewatched all of the '94 Spider-Man show um, because someone called Godzilla Mendoza on Twitter on YouTube made a really interesting video about how the '94 animated Spider-Man show actually inspired a huge number of things. From the three movie franchises we've seen since, you know, the Rami franchise, the the Garfield and the Tom Holland ones. And um, it really got me into it and the idea of it. And I went back on through Disney Plus and watched all of the 95 Spider-Man. And that was a really fun rewatch. Um, but even then, I still, it's, it, the complexity, the ability to be both entertained to children and adults, the, 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 the understanding of the characters is just second to none. It's really second to none. I love that 94 Spider-Man show, and I like the I, I love the X-Men show from that time as well, but it's neither of them have a hold a candle, uh, I don't think. Nice. Nice. Yeah. Um, so uh, let's have a look. Um, oh, how, this is, uh, I hope you, you know, I, I hope you get your walking shoes on, Chris. We're not going far, so we'll walk around and get the bus, but we're heading over to Nitpick Corner. Oh, nice. I'm, um, I'm there, Dan. I'm, I'm with you. Um, how does Andrea not see Batman on the building across from the street watching them with binoculars? When they cut to that shot of Andrea having the meal with the slimy guy <laughs> and Batman is just framed between them, clearly visible, not that far away or small, just very there. I'm not missing that through that big window. I'm, 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 I'm clocking that straight away. <laughs> Or at least, you know, statistically, someone else in the restaurant would. <laughs> hey, is that Batman? <laughs> you know, just a voice in the background. I, I yeah. really enjoyed the explanation of that later when it's just like, I can lip read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's, that's, a, that's a bit of a dumb moment, but it's fun. Yeah, agreed. Um, uh, this movie is full of great small details. Tons of them, too many to go through, but uh, one of them I really like is when the... Um, uh, the mobster guy goes to the grave and he knocks over someone else's flowers to put down their own. <laughs> it's just such a small detail, but I really love that. Um, there's tons of that in the movie. Uh, yeah, uh, Bruce discovering a design that would later inspire his Batmobile at the world, the World's Fair. That's fun. Yes. Yeah, I enjoyed that. That was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah, it's a tiny, tiny thing. Not really a big deal in the movie, but just, just, a, just again, the attention to detail that really, that's nice. 
let's see. Oh, it's a little bit contrived that Andrea happens to come across Batman at the grave. You know, at the Wayne grave in the Batman costume. First of all, that they're both there at the exact same time is kind of hilarious. It is kind of set up, obviously, that their families' graves are near each other. But at the same time, like, what's Bruce doing I, I, going over to the Wayne grave in his Batman outfit? <laughs> I think it's another example where more time to both have something less contrived and have more exploration of her finding out and dealing with the fact that Bruce is Batman would have benefited the film. Because it's very like... I'm glad she finds out though, because she doesn't fall into the category of like the, you know... How many of these yeah, for sure. superhero yeah, yeah. things do you go like? But, why hasn't why hasn't the the character figured out their partner is the, the hero? Like, yeah, yeah. no. I'm, I, how I many Lois Lanes and Mary one, Janes but, look like idiots because they don't know? <laughs> yeah, and I and I love that. But like the the notion of like the really contrived quick scene at the grave, and then she's mm-hmm. very quickly just like, all right, like we don't really explore her finding out what that means what she feels about it we don't explore any of that because we haven't got the time to the movie makes the right decision with a 73 minute runtime mm-hmm. i think that's another one for the pile of if only this movie had another 20 30 minutes mm. agreed agreed um i do love that the movie ultimately for the middle section comes down to giving up andrea or giving up batman um his vow to his parents i think that's a really good dilemma to put bruce in um but i also love when they meet in the in the modern day uh one of the best lines in the movie we already covered the one at the graveyard earlier but the other one of the other great lines in the movie is when andrea says to batman um the only one in this room controlled by their parents is you which is a lie because obviously she is also deeply controlled by the choices of her parents and avenging them but oh man that one line does more to characterize Batman than I think the entire of like like most of the Batman movies. Yeah. I'm yeah, not going to yeah. name a specific sure. one because sure. I don't want to upset people. But uh, you know, like even if we take something like Batman versus Superman, like something that's like a like I'm I, that I feel a little bit more on like I'm less going to get criticized for comparing. Um, uh, yeah, that's a that's a real understanding. No, fuck it. I'm gonna say it. I don't think Nolan really cares about Batman as a character. I think Nolan really loves the world of Batman. I don't think he's interested in exploring the nuances of Batman in the way this movie is. I said it. No, not compared to this movie. No, no, I I can't. Uh, although I did watch The Dark Knight fairly recently, but yeah, The Dark Knight is not a movie really exploring Bruce, even though it it it, it tries to be. It puts it puts Bruce in a lot of circumstances which feel like they're exploring Bruce. You know, him having to make the choice and stuff. It, it's more interesting in Batman as a symbol means. than Batman as a human being. Is that is yeah, that fair? Yeah. It's yeah, it's I more about what fair. what yeah. Batman represents to a city than it is about his choices. And his personal growth. That's that's how it feels mm. to me. Am I, am I, you've, you've just said you saw it recently. Does that does that does that sound right? Does that sound like no? I think experience? that's fair. Yeah, no, no. I do. I do genuinely think that's fair. Like, there's yeah. an awful lot of Rachel, but we don't really understand from either movie. You know, that we don't really feel their connection that much. Right. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Uh, yeah. I'm 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 glad because that is kind of yeah. Um, that's just something I've been thinking about. I was like, I don't know if I'm going to say that's going to be too controversial to say. I'm going to get yelled at in the comments, but okay, I think that's true. I oh, think that's going to happen anyway, but that's that's okay. <laughs> um, uh, the, the, using the cape and cowl to distract the police by putting it on the the, the, the rope and then 
uh, the, like the crane or whatever it is, and then swinging it across the sound. That was a genius move. I love Batman being clever. I like Batman being the detective and doing smart stuff. That was fun. Um, Andrea being the one to save him from the police was also fun because they don't even put too much of a point on her just knowing he's Batman now. Like it's just like they just she just does. It's great. Um, we've covered that. We've covered that. Um, oh, and then I just wanted to highlight the, this quote from the end of the movie. I think uh, this is a really good interpretation of Alfred. He's says a lot of really funny things throughout the movie. Um, uh, and obviously at the end of the movie, when we're in a, bit of a tragic situation, because Andrea chose revenge over her happiness and, 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 and getting to live with Bruce. The last, one of the last things in the movie is a great, great moment from Alfred where he gets to be a more sincere character rather than the sort of, comic character comedic character i should say that he played to the movie mostly prior to this where he says vengeance blackens the soul bruce i always feared you would become that which you fought against you walk the edge of that abyss every night but you haven't fallen in and i thank heaven for that but andrea fell into that pit years ago and no one not even you could have pulled her back fucking hell that's good writing Mm. (laughs) that is better writing than this movie needs or deserves (laughs) doesn't he also say something in the movie akin to i wiped your ass when i was a kid i have every right yes <laughs> yeah he does that's true amazing. yeah yeah he does he does i don't know the exact quote i didn't write that one down but yeah that is in the oh, movie. here we go here we go i've got it here uh batman you think you know everything about me don't you alfred i diapered your bottom i bloody well ought to <laughs> that's just that's just good writing i don't i don't care what anyone it's brilliant says. writing that's just, that's just good writing <laughs> absolutely phenomenal writing oh i love i fucking love this movie so yeah um before we get into the trivia just to clarify yeah we're recommending this one it's brilliant just go see this movie yeah obviously it's, yeah yeah absolutely it's, recommend it's, you you sit down and watch this i'm so for so many reasons minutes. i'm for so many reasons i'm so glad i chose this yeah yeah no you're absolutely you 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 were 100 right um like should we move on to the triv chris let's triv it up i'm gonna give you some trivia so let's do it. So um, there was actually an episode they developed for the final series of Batman the Animated Series called Trial. And that was actually developed um, originally as the plot for this movie before they chose the plot they chose. And that's a really great episode of the Animated Series, which is where Batman's villains all get together, kidnap Batman and put him on trial for his crimes against them. <laughs> and it kind of becomes like, it's a really funny, weird episode um and 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 because it's just this like insane thing where they're just like actually when you think about it (laughs) you're not much better (laughs) um and and, like you know it's it's also that idea of like do we do the things we do because you exist it really explores that idea it's a great little episode of the animated series um many fans apparently have in the past said that that episode should have been a two-parter and or maybe even stretched out to a film um i actually think i agree with the creator's choice to pocket that idea for an episode rather than using it as the premise for the movie because ultimately a lot of that story is contained to a courtroom batman all bound up and you'd probably be doing flashbacks as the trial went on to the various things they're talking about so so it would give you plenty of excuse to do action stuff but i just think framing it that way would have been weird for this movie there's there's awful movie Uh, i i like it the way it played out personally there's also an awful lot of pre-existing knowledge of the characters and the villains, etc., from the show that you'd need for that as a movie. It couldn't be as standalone as this yeah. is. Yeah, it's it's a, it's full on the rogues gallery. It's like Harley Quinn, the Joker, Clayface, 
uh, Two Face, uh, Penguin. I think like I'm pretty sure everyone is there. So yeah, you're right. That's that's another good point. Way more connected to the to the DNA of the show. Wouldn't stand alone in the same way. Um, so um, it was very much the Alan Burnett's one of the one of the writers' uh, intention to not have Joker play a part in the. Um, in terms of the like character development stuff in this movie, and just to keep him as a a, a plot point, because um, they wanted to keep the movie removed from the usual rogues gallery of the show, um, just making that one exception for Joker. Um, uh, you know, they wanted to do a love story basically with Bruce, and no one had really done that. In, they hadn't had a chance to do that in the TV show, and they 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 when they got that story sort of in their head, they, that's what they wanted to do. So they were very keen on that, uh, which is one of the ways that the movie developed the way it did. Um, weirdly, Citizen Kane actually served as a, an influence on the flashback structure of the movie. Obviously, it's another story about loss and the passage of time. Um, that's a nice little, nice little thing to have to have cribbed from. But uh, that's good to see yeah, what I mean. Sure. It, all, it all comes back to the Beals. Um, <laughs> the, the the movie um, was originally conceived actually as a two-part episode of the animated series called masks um featuring the comic book batman year two's villain reaper um and then when it developed into a sort of feature length or a close to feature length it was still only going to be a straight to dvd release um that would go between series one and series two because they knew there'd be a small production gap between the initial 60 odd episode run and the second series which only ended up being 20 something episodes i think um so yeah, it was just going to go straight to DVD. Um, but once Warner Brothers got a look at it, they really liked the script. They liked the animation. They thought it looked great. They actually said, "You know what? Let's 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 try this theatrically instead." The animators were obviously thrilled with that choice and very grateful that the movie would get such a wide release. It did leave them with one particular problem, um, which was that they had less than a year of production time to scramble to convert convert the film's aspect ratio to widescreen because it had been completely animated in this sort of four three like square tv aspect ratio so um see people people think that fucking over animators is a modern thing and it really you know (laughs) hollywood's been doing it for years people yeah warner brothers ahead of the curve as always Uh, (laughs) um that's a really good point yeah um sounds brutal but they got it done and it looks great so let's not uh yeah looks brilliant um there was another early idea that this film might mark the end of the series after the first 60-odd episode run, um, which is one of the reasons they kind of leave the Joker as potentially dead. The idea that maybe that that could have been a suitable end to the show. Um, mm. That was a very a, an early thought, anyway. Um, from start to finish, the production of the actual physical film took about eight months in terms of animation. Um, Bruce Tim apparently went through about 20 different character designs for Phantasm before creating the version that they have here, which is a combination of sort of a Grim Reaper figure, but also Asriel, another sort of famous Batman comic book villain. Um, It's sort of somewhere in between the two. Um, The large blade on the right hand was not a part of Bruce Timm's original design, but was added later at Alan Burnett's insistence. Um, It's a cool little curved blade claw thing, um, right on the line of being not a knife. Yeah, I mean the costume in general looks fantastic, doesn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. Yeah, and it's that it's that it's just close enough to be to, to the Batman shape silhouette that you could kind of buy people thinking it's Batman committing the murders. So it's it's, it's it has to be distinct enough to be its own thing, 
but close enough to Batman to 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 for people to mistake the two. And that's I think that's a good that's a good line that they uh that they they toted. Um, to keep the identity of the Phantasm a secret, um, they brought in uh Stacy Keach who voiced Carl Beaumont, the, 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 the Andrea's father, to, to he, have him voice the Phantasm. Um, oh, I did they wonder also that, in... like, what they did about that. What's that, sorry? I was just saying, I did wonder that, like, who did the different voices and, and, and that side of things. Yeah, so they brought in the guy who voices her father to voice Phantasm to sort of keep that potential up that he was the Phantasm. Also, they gave uh, the Phantasm the same build as two of the other characters, Carl Beaumont and Arthur Reeves, just to give you the possibility that either of those characters could also be him. But unfortunately, Chris, Kenner, um, the company that make the toys for the Batman animated series, produced several tie-in figures for the film, including the Joker, Batman, and Phantasm. Now, they're... Again, fan- again, people, you you think it's a modern thing, but toys come toy companies spoiling big superhero movies since since ninety three. Yep, um, they put out a phantasm character that the figure itself was just the phantasm and didn't give anything away, but the artwork on the box absolutely gives away who is behind that mask. <laughs> um, good work, Kenner. <laughs> Add it again. Uh, love it. Um, so, as I mentioned earlier, the movie is loosely inspired by parts of the graphic novels Year One and Year Two. The part that really struck me was the part I already talked about, the construction sequence, the construction yard sequence, very similar to the, the, the Batman Year One sequence where a sort of rookie Batman is pursued. Um... Well, wait a second, though. What year did Batman Year One come out? It's just occurred to me. Sorry. Uh, I don't I don't know offhand. Let me just double check. Batman Year One release. Just curious. I just want to make sure that like that is Yeah, the film version of it came out in 2011. When was the publication of the comic? 87. Okay, fine, perfect. Just double check it. I had a weird moment then of like, actually, was that not mid-90s? But it wasn't. It was 80s. Cool. Um yeah, rookie Batman sort of pursued into a tenement building by a crooked Gotham SWAT team, and Batman barely escaped. So that that was very that one really jumped out at me because that's a really iconic scene but apparently there are a couple of other references to year one and year two the flashbacks to uh, batman's first night crime fighting sort of donning a ski mask and jacket apparently that's from year one um i didn't specifically remember that but that's that's good apparently um one of the inspirations for the design of phantasm was also a character called uh, character called reaper who was the primary villain of batman year two so there were a couple of other smaller nods that i didn't pick up on um to those comics uh, both very good uh, if you're if you're interested in reading batman comics uh long halloween um dark knight return ah don't do the dark knight returns early that's 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 a that's a late read the other ones first uh done uh, yeah long halloween uh batman year one um there's an arkham asylum one that's really good there's a, there's a handful that are really good but then and do, save dark knight returns to you because read a lot of batman because that is a yeah, doesn't matter. I, I, that's a whole discussion. It's not worth getting into. Uh, many of the items featured in Gotham's World Fair were inspired by items featured at the famous 1939 New York World's Fair. The rocket and the planet centerpiece echoed New York's famous Trilon and Perisphere exhibits. Um, and the song playing in the background is similar to There's a Great Big Beautiful Tomorrow, which played in the Disney General Electric-sponsored Progre- Progress Land which is, I assume, a little bit inspired by the sort of World's Fair thing. So there you go. Um, well, there you go. 
A computer-generated version of Gotham City is seen in the opening credits. It was actually designed to be used in the animated series TV show. Uh, they wanted to sort of create a visual set to replace hand-painted backgrounds to help speed up production, but it was actually never used for that purpose. So instead, it was just used for the intro of the movie, which is fine. It looks good. Um, the end credits so, uh, song, um, I Never Even Told You, is a rare singing performance by Tia Carey who um, was the was the lead actress for Cassandra in uh, Wayne's World. Um, yeah, right. Obviously sang in Wayne's World um, and is, was very good in that. But uh, yeah, she, she clearly doesn't do that sort of stuff very often, it seems. Um, so there you go. Um, it is a nice song. Uh, they reviewed uh, when they reviewed this film for their show. Siskel and Ebert both said they regretted not seeing it in the theaters. Uh, Siskel, in particular, loved the film and compared it favorably to Burton's Batman movies. Um, so there you go. Uh, let's see what else we got. Oh yeah, the fighting style. Oh yeah. Oh, oh this is the trip. Oh great. The fighting style Bruce was shown practicing was close to taekwondo, despite him calling it calling it jujitsu. The move Andrea performed on him, however, was a jujitsu move. Cool. Thank you, Trivia, for affirming me. Um, this is Robert Pattinson's favourite Batman film. Uh, he must have been asked in the press Quite for Batman. Quite right, too. Um, yeah. yeah, too right. Good choice. Uh, the uh, unnamed... Wo- oh, this is a great one. I didn't know this. I, re- I really enjoyed this. Um, the unnamed woman that throws a drink in Bruce's face at the party early in the movie um, is actually seen accompanying him on uh, a night out to a casino unveiling in the animated series in an episode called Joker's Wild. So, basically, that that random woman that throws a drink in his face is a... Uh... It did... Here you go. It, it's, it was seen with him in the show, so presumably that was the, the initial date... And then this is him having moved on many months later and her showing up to do that, which I think is fun. It did feel like those were characters the audience would have known before. Yeah, it did. I did get that sense watching it that, oh, these must be someone. Right. And I don't think she has a big moment in that, you know, in that show or anything. In that, you know, in that particular, like, episode. I don't think she, like, I'm not even sure she gets lines. But, yeah, that's that's who that's supposed to be. That's just a nice little bit of attention to detail again. Um, yeah, absolutely. Let's see. Oh, yeah. When the when the Joker shoots down the robots in the World's Fair, the sound of them winding down is the same sound used for the Millennium Falcon winding down in Star Wars: The Empire Strikes Back. I think that's cool. Um, oh, yeah. As Batman walks through the scale model city searching for the Joker, the Warner Brothers Studio logo is clearly displayed. Um, the WB Shield is there. Um, I spotted that and was like, "That's a bit on the nose." Um, so the film was obviously made on the strength of the characters from the series. And it was a huge success in America, and it was actually, therefore, originally scheduled for a British cinema release. But in the end, it only got two or three festival screenings in the country before it going straight to video. Um, I'm sad about that. I, I never got a chance to see it in the cinema. Um, I'm not sure if I would have, to be honest with you. You know, I was probably quite young, but yeah, I think that would have been a cool thing to have gotten to do. Um, yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, during the Harry Potter movies, Daniel Radcliffe went through 160 pairs of glasses. Um, you thought I'd forgotten. Not this time, buddy. Um, despite the title, the Phantasm... I try, not to think, I try not to think of it at all, actually, but carry on. <laughs> despite the title, the title, <laughs> the Phantasm is never referred to by name. They never call the character yeah, the I Phantasm in the that. movie. 
I did notice that. I was like, that's a bit I assume that's the phantasm of the of the title, but <laughs> no one seems to be clarifying. Yeah. Yeah. Um the phantasm uh would not appear again in DC animated universe continuity until Justice League Unlimited Epilogue, an episode of that show that aired in 2005 in which Amanda Waller tells the tale of an agent she once hired to kill the parents of young Terry McGuinness. The assassin is never named, but the silent depiction of events clearly shows the phantasm stalking the family. However, a visibly aged Andrea Beaumont refuses to complete the assignment, citing Batman's refusal to resort to murder to achieve his goals, and how doing so would dishonor what he stood for. Oh, wow. Nice. So they do a little coda for the movie in, uh, in, in a later DC Animated Universe thing. Um, the fate of the Joker is left unrevealed in the movie and, um, and unaddressed in the following episodes of the series, but a comic book named Shadow of the Phantasm, written by the film's co-writer Paul Dini, shows that Andrea took Joker down into the sewers, beating him viciously, coming close to almost killing him, but hesitating upon realising that the Joker had become so twisted and insane he was no longer the man who murdered her father. The explosions then separate them, the Joker is knocked into the water and carried away with the current, the, comment, uh, the comic also details the fate of Arthur Reeves, ruined by his connection to the mob and his crusade about uh, against Batman. He later meets his demise, trying to get his revenge on Andrea. Um, I actually don't like her choosing not to try and kill the Joker, and I'm glad that's in a comic that I can ignore. Yeah, I'd agree with that. I, d- I was going to ask, like, presumably the Joker's in the next series. How do they address that? Um, and they don't. Yeah, I'm glad. I uh, yeah, I think that's fine because I think you know what I think you can do that. It's like it, whilst my fan brain has a slight bit of like, what's the what's the head canon? It's like Doctor Who and the Master. We don't really need an explanation as to which masters where and how they survive like they just do that's the point of super villains sometimes so i'm 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 so okay with them not really addressing it yeah 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 me too me too it's fine especially with the joker who's sort of a mysterious chaotic figure it's fine um i uh wrote down some bad trivia chris not often we, we do this but this is just this is just not categorically not trivia don't know why it was there on idb um it says bruce's proposal to andrea is interrupted by a swarm of bats coming from the cave below them yes mm. right there's that a happens. scene in this movie where batman punches a villain <laughs> 11 out of 36 people found this interesting did they they're idiots that's not interesting um, the movie. In terms of, uh, so all the cars are obviously weird amalgams of 1940s and 1950s vehicles. So there isn't cars exist this week, Chris. But I had a look mm. on the Internet Movie Car database, and they have got a page for this movie where they show off a bunch of them, and people sort of talk about some of the things that inspired them. But there was one vehicle in the movie, Chris, that was so close, so clearly close to the thing that it's designed of, that they felt that they could actually. Just outright name it. So this is Bikes Exist. Um, the motorcycle <laughs> the, mo- the motorcycle that is driven at Bruce when he steps in when that guy's being mugged. The sort of guy with the chain and the motorcycle and he steps on the, the oh, it's one of the most badass moments in the whole movie. Bruce puts his foot on the front wheel, leaps up, punches the guy. It's great. The biking question is something called an Indian chief, 
which is a shit name for a bike, but it's apparently exactly that. Whereas all the other cars were such amalgams, you couldn't quite identify a specific make or model, just inspired by several different ones. Um, the Indian Chief as a bike is a particular kind of bike. And um, I've just looked it up. It's pretty cool. It's pretty cool looking. I don't like its name, but it's a cool bike. Well, there you go. Bikes mm. exist. So there you go. Um, what a what a fucking brilliant movie! You should all go see. What a great <laughs> movie. And Dan creates a bit of pressure because obviously the mm-hmm. whole thing non-stop bangers, bangers at the end. And you know we've 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 achieved it thus far with the, these last these last two choices. Um, although I'm struggling to remember what you chose before I chose this. What? Tucker and Dale versus <laughs> Evil. T- that's it. So Tucker and Dale versus Evil, banger. Batman Master Phantasm, banger. Non-stop bangers till the end. We've got two bangers left, Dan. Where are we going next? Oh, Chris, we are going to Disney's Aladdin. Oh, nice. It's time to pull the trigger. You asked me last week, does the movie you're thinking of contain either Robert Williams or Jim Carrey? It contains Robin Williams, and it is Disney's Aladdin. I don't know if this is the movie you were thinking of, but let me tell you, when it comes to animated movies in my childhood, this was the movie. Like, I knew this movie inside and out. I could quote the whole thing top to bottom for for a small period of my childhood, and um, it, it, it might be one of the greatest animated movies ever made. It it isn't, um, but I'm glad we're doing it because I I thought you were talking about Mrs. Doubtfire, um, and I thought you were going to kind of pull the trigger on that one. Um, also but a good I'm film. Glad but no, uh, I'm glad it's another animation. I'm glad that we sort of the realization that we hadn't done an animation in ages. I'm glad we're now doing two animations in a row. Well, that pleases I'll be me honest greatly, with you, Chris. Uh, having my suspicions about what you're going to select for the last movie of the series. This was always my choice for my last choice for the series. So, mm. um, it, 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 when you said last week we haven't done animation ages, I went, oh, but if we'd only go one more week, we would have, because <laughs> I knew this was my next choice. Uh, but yeah, we're gonna do we're gonna do Aladdin, the the original Disney classic. I'm very excited about it. There we go. Nonstop bangers continues with Aladdin. Where can the people find us in the meantime, Daniel? Uh, well, they can find us on Patreon if they wish to support us financially. Um, for as little as $1 a month you get episodes of this and our other show Analyzing Avatar one week early when this series finishes we're going to be switching over to Analyzing Avatar to cover the first series of Korra um, I actually went randomly the other day had a weird ADHD hyper focus moment and made all of the thumbnails for that series of Korra Jeez. am I an oh, insane wow, person? Okay. yeah probably I usually just make them as we go Stayed up until three in the morning doing that because why wouldn't I, Chris? Anyway, um, that's I'm very excited about you that. Now, for, for, dude, for like a for like a month now, you can't say the sentence I haven't had a chance to because I'm just going to be like, well, you fucking made thirty thumbnails of Legend of Korra, didn't you, Dan? So I did. I did make quite a lot of thumbnails for Legend of Korra. Um, I don't know. I I literally I I went to make the first one just so I kind of had it and was like, I'll get the ball rolling and I'll make one every week or two for now and I'll have them already. Um, and then I just didn't stop. <laughs> I, just, I just didn't stop doing it. <laughs> it's insane. Did you? Because is. we've hinted. Um, because we've because we've hinted and talked about it quite a bit. Did you also make the thumbnails for Aladdin and what you think is going to be my last choice? I did. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Uh, of course you did. And yeah. I knew you did. <laughs> 
did. Um, so if you'd like to hear episodes a week earlier, you're not already a member of our Patreon, you can go over for as little as $1 a month, and there's also going to be some exclusive bonus content coming on there in the new year. I'm very excited about that. We'll talk about it close to the time. It's very fun. There'll be some fun stuff, I promise. Um, also, you can support us, of course, just by uh, liking, subscribing, reviewing on the various podcast platforms, um, or heading over to YouTube and liking and subscribing on there, youtube.com slash nothingbutstatic uk um i don't know if i already said it but patreon is patreon.com slash nothing excuse me patreon.com slash nothing but static you can also get us on the <laughs> actually you're 10 weeks in the future i don't know if this website exists anymore but um twitter.com slash dan doolan or at c billingham for chris or at nothing but static for nothing but static's general one um who knows at this point elon musk seems to be determined to run it into the ground because he is a terrible businessman and a fucking moron um clueless doesn't even cover that man how he got so much money in the first place will never cease to amaze me anyway i know chris let's spend 44 billion on a thing that's only worth about 20 and then let's run it into the ground to the point it's only worth eight through bad choices. Anyway, um, I could literally talk about that all day. It's my favourite thing that's happening at the moment. Watching him implode in real time is amazing. Um, just, <laughs> just, uh, just got this image of you just, just making thumbnails and listening to podcasts about Elon Musk. That's what you've been. <laughs> that's what you've spent your last few days doing. <coughs> Yeah, what's the problem with that? You're exactly right. That's what happened. Um, and oh, then right. my I'm next few days will be listening it. to podcasts about Elon Musk while playing the Batman Arkham City games. <laughs> Yeah, and then we'll get to nothing but static, and we'll have nothing to review because neither of us will have watched the fucking shows. Yeah, that's true. Um, anyway, um, I actually haven't. I've watched one episode of one of the shows. I need to address that, but I've been very busy. Um, I think no. I've I've watched. I've watched. Uh, shit, no, I'm with you. Uh, no, oh, well, I've watched three episodes of one of the shows, so a little ahead. Uh, actually, not I think. Really. I think I've watched two episodes of one of the shows. What's the show you've watched two episodes of? Um, Devil's Hour. Oh, okay. So it is a longer show, at least. I've watched two episodes of the Alex Horde show, which is shorter. <laughs> yes, I'll bet. And looks really fun, though. I'm excited about that. Uh, the reason for me is just simply because I'm waiting to watch um, Alex Horn show and Blockbuster with, with Nadia. Uh, actually, there you go. There's a little tease. If you like if you like our stuff and you want to hear us talk about the TV shows we just talked about, um, Devil's Hour, Blockbuster, the Alex Horn TV show, whatever it's called, the Horn Section TV show, uh, or, or the Weird Al Yankovic story, we reviewed those on a podcast uh, that we did in um, sort of mid-November on Nothing But Static. Well, hope, go over uh, there and listen to that. Uh, Hopefully, as long as Dan stopped making thumbnails and I actually watch the shows. To be fair, you've made me feel a bit better though, actually, because other than the Devil's Ad- the Devil's Hour, actually nothing is that long, so that makes me feel better about fitting in. Yeah, it's not too bad. No, no, it, you know the 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 the, um, the Alex Horn show is not too long. The Weird Al story is just a movie, so then it's just blockbuster and Devil's Hour. So we'll be fine. I'm sure we'll yeah. be fine. Um, so yeah, thanks everyone for listening. Um, obviously, come back next week for Aladdin. Uh, if you're listening to this on normal things, you can head over to the Patreon and support us. And, and when you support us there, you can hear Aladdin right now. So there, you can do that if you're really interested. Um, and I still, I'm confident enough I know what Chris is choosing for the last movie that I've already made that thumbnail. So we'll see if I'm right or if I have to make a new thumbnail. <laughs> yeah, I think, I, you know what, we've been te- literally teasing this movie for years. Very overtly, specifically yep. teased it and talked about it this series. Like, named it. And now you've made the thumbnail. I think. I mean. I think I'm definitely. I'm definitely picking the movie. But yeah. you could no. You, you are absolutely welcome to not pick the movie. I I stand no, by that. That is a hundred percent. I think, it's time. I think it's time. And also, 
It is the worst, and it's you know I've said many a time. It's it's probably, uh, it's probably my favourite movie. But you you have more faith, I think, that it's going to be an out and out banger. So it's a quite. It's I I think it's important to end the 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 end on bangers on a bit of jeopardy. Um, and there's more jeopardy with that movie than Mask of Phantasm or Aladdin for sure. So I yeah, think it's I, the, I think it's the right. End no, I, I, I think that's probably true. But I distinctly remember watching this movie in adult life and being blown away at how much better. It oh was yeah, than I, I, than I, I love it. So but, we'll see. We'll find out. But before then, yeah, before then we've got Aladdin. So before then we got Aladdin. But thanks everyone for listening. It's been. It's been a good one. I've been, I've, I've really enjoyed this. I knew said I've been down doing it, but I've just realised Chris ends this one, so I'm going to hand it over yes, to Chris right. to finish. I've, I've been Chris Billingham. I've been Dan Dillon. And this review has been rewound. Oh boy, howdy has it. Oh, rewound all the way to 1993. Should I do that every week? Woo! Woo! I got 90s, but not really 90s vibe. This is a cartoon, but so, you know, there's less 90s aesthetic, but still. Anyway, I need the loo. Bye! Bye, everyone.